Okay, so we're a week into the new year, right? Right? We are, right? Okay. I want to be behind the times here. Uh, how are those resolutions going for you? Any thoughts, anybody? Great. Have you maybe held your tongue a little bit more? Have you gone to the gym yet? <laughs> there you go. Now, are you making those wise financial decisions that you promised yourself and your spouse that you would make? <laughs> are you enjoying work more? Are you enjoying home more? I hope so. <laughs> you know, sometimes we look at those and we go, oh, yeah, those resolutions, um, right? It's, it's not just limited to New Year's, though, right? It seems like every time we turn around, every time we make a decision, every time we, we are resolute, we're going to do this or we're not going to do this, yeah, um, right? Sometimes it, it, it seems that we work and work to make our lives better and, and we strive to honor God and it just ends up the same. Or uh, you don't understand how that same sin keeps grabbing you, taking hold of you. And you say, this can't be what God intended for me, is it? You know, we read Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite passages. And really over the past year has become ah, just a breath of fresh air. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And we say, well, Lord, could you let me in on those plans? Because I don't always see this good. I don't always see this uh, hope in my life and really in the world. And uh, we kind of have this idea that, is this what the Christian life's all about? Struggle? Continually? And I'm not here to tell you to, to be better, to do good, and it's going to be all okay. But if you're anything like me, you want to put up that under construction sign, right? The please excuse the mess sign on your life sometimes. I know how that feels. That, that's me a lot. And really, that should be all of us. So really, how do we live life the way God intended for it? Especially in light of my nature and my faults and my failings. Paul lifts up that, that plastic, right, behind the construction site and takes a look at how things are going. How the construction is coming along and offers guidance and encouragement. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Paul says, Christ wants you to know that you are free. We are called to freedom. 
You know, and, and Paul was worked up. And, and it may not seem so strong right in these verses, but, but if you read the chapter, if you read the book of Galatians, you'll know that Paul is pretty ticked off. He, he's actually uh, addressing he, and, and defending a group of people who, who were being told by another group of people that their relationship with, with God was not complete until this. You could fill in the blank. It's whatever you think that your relationship with God needs to be. These, these people had accepted Christ as their Savior, had acknowledged Him as their Messiah, and the other group was saying, well, well, hold on just a second. Now, you're not really a Christian until this. That group said that they still had something they needed to do in order for the sacrifice of Christ to mean anything for them. And Paul called them on it. In fact, Galatians is pretty much uh, dedicated to a strongly refuting those claims and the ones who made them. And there are many times when you're reading this book <laughs> that you say, he said, what? Can, can you say that in the Bible? I mean, wow! And in this case, it was circumcision. The thing that for the Jewish man was, was symbolic of God setting apart of the nation of Israel. It was a reminder of God's work in their lives. But they had made it an essential in order to have a right relationship with God. And we live under that fear a lot, don't we? Am I really right with God? I made this decision, but does that settle it? Did I do it right? Did I miss something? And you know, there's even religious people and, and churches that will say, I know you gave your heart and life to Christ, and, and that's good and everything. But before you're really a Christian, before we can place our stamp of approval on you, you also need to join the church. You need to be baptized in order to be a Christian. Well, you need to take communion. Or you need to continue to take communion to stay a Christian. You better be living right if you want to be a Christian. You better give your tithe if you're going to be a Christian. And if you don't do these things, there's no way that you could be a believer. There's no way that you could have a right relationship with God. Have you heard that kind of talk before? Paul says, no, no, listen, you were called to freedom. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brethren. It's very clear. It's right there. And in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. The whole purpose is to set us free from the bondage of sin. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's not just others that are uh, uh, causing doubt in your life about God's work in your life. Sometimes it's us, right? It's me. It's you who causes doubt in your own life. I'm trying to do right, but, but I keep messing up. I can't get away from it. It's hopeless. I give up. There's no way that God could be happy with me right now. And whether it's talking about uh, addiction or talking about uh, gossip or blowing up at your spouse in anger or, or even holding it all in and just resenting, whether it's constantly lying, whether it's filling your sin right here. And Paul is almost saying, snap out of it. 
You were in bondage to sin, but you are not its slave anymore. You owe it nothing. You are free. Remember that? Don't let sin define you anymore. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, verse 11, Paul lists some pretty severe sins <laughs> that the Corinthian church had been involved in. And then he says in verse 11, he says, But such were some of you. Ah, oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that, Paul. You're an uplifting guy. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Sounds like he had to use some, you know, OxyClean or something, but all those stains are gone. You're no longer in bondage. Amen? In verse 13, this, this phrase, it's really easy to pass over. Uh, but I want you to see just how intentional Paul's wording is here. He says, you were called. And really, in the Greek, this specific wording has uh, some, some characteristics to it. Number one, something that has already occurred in the past. He was coming to them as believers in Christ and saying, God took care of that. Something that has nothing to do with your abilities or your strength. He was saying, you were called. And it wasn't because you were great. It wasn't because you were such a good guy. You were called by God. God called you. It also has the characteristic that it's something that is established and true. Not a maybe or you might be called to freedom or even a command, you better be called to freedom. It was a, you were called to freedom. Paul is saying, don't doubt God's work in your life. It wasn't you in the first place, right? He has freed us. Romans chapter 6. 6 verses 6 and 7 it says knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is free from sin saying you died with Christ the one who's dead is dead to sin too so guess what you're free. You're no longer bound by sin. That's no longer how someone describes your life. If you have been crucified with Christ, you are free from the bondage of sin. Is that good news? You know, we've been singing these, these worship songs about sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ and, and what it means for our lives. How did you sing it? It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. That's what the screen said. But, but sometimes we sing it, uh, it's all because I didn't mess up this week that I'm alive. Right? What can wash away our sin? What can wash us pure as snow? Welcomed as the friend of God. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Or did you sing nothing but the deeds that I did? 
The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Or, I've been wounded my entire life. Wow. You know, those are really some some monumental statements. Which do you believe? Or were you just singing a song? Right? They all point to what Jesus did, not what I'm doing, or not doing to find favor with God. Paul is saying, have confidence in what Christ did in your life. Look at verses uh, 7 and 8 in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 7 and 8. Paul says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who stopped you from, from being on the right track? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. Those who are saying that, that you need one more thing to be a Christian. You need this and this and this or this to be free from your sin. To be able to stand before God Almighty without shame. And Paul says, that is not from God. He called you to freedom. And you know what? I, I think sometimes it's because we know who we are, that we struggle with this. We know that we've sinned. We know that even after our salvation, we've done things that we're ashamed of. But He offers freedom. Have you been made free today? Are you living like you're free? I think that's a, the big question, isn't it? But what does that mean, freedom? What does it mean that I'm free? You might say, surely it doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want to do. Don't I need some rules to guide me? Don't don't I need someone to set some limitations for me? What's the motivation for me? What's what's the thing that's going to help me stay on track? Because I know me. I want to honor God. I want to be others-focused. Uh, But I need a list. I need something that I can check off and mark my progress. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to. And as Paul looks around, uh, around your life, he examines the work that is to be done, and he says, Christ wants you to know that love, not the law, is what keeps you right, what keeps you in fellowship. We are motivated by love. Look at verse 13, kind of the second part there. It says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. It says, But only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know, some would think that Paul is naive in telling them they were free from sin. And maybe that's what you think too. Maybe, if, maybe you'd say, well, why... Uh, if, if you tell people that, they're going to do whatever they want, aren't they? They're going to say, see, the Bible says I'm free, so I'm free to act how I want. I'm free to treat people how I want. Uh, I'll do what I want. And you know what? Some people are going to see it that way. But that is not freedom. Didn't we just say that, that freedom uh, ha- has to do with uh, uh, freedom from bondage, freedom from sin? 
Paul was saying, don't give sin a chance in your life. Don't use freedom as an excuse to be bound up again. When someone is making that resolution or determination, there has to be a motivation in order for it to stick. You know, there's no such thing as casual life change, right? Some people are motivated by money or the scale or by the opinions of those around them, but the believer is motivated by something much greater. They are motivated by the love of God. But listen carefully. I didn't say our love for God is what motivates us. You know, that's involved. That is a good motivator. But more importantly is the love that God showed to us. It's when we see and understand the sacrifice that Christ made and His great love for us that we're motivated to stay away from sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, while we cursed Him, while we spit in His face through our actions and our deeds, He died for us. He died, and we had no appreciation for it. We didn't say thank you at all, because we were in sin. We were bound up. Thirty-five years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence and the war that followed for our freedom, one of those signers wrote this to John Adams, who was another signer. Benjamin Rush wrote, The 4th of July has been celebrated in Philadelphia in the manner that I expected. The military men ran away with all the glory of the day. But do you remember... Do you recollect that pensive and awful silence which pervaded the house when we were called up one after the other to the table of the President of Congress to subscribe, to sign our names, to what many believed at the time to be our own death warrants? He says, don't you remember what it costs? Man, these, these guys out here celebrating, enjoying the freedom, they didn't appreciate the cost. They didn't understand what it was like to stand before that document and say, you know what, no matter what it costs, I'm going to put my name to this. And I think we struggle with that even now as a nation, don't we? Really understanding what it means to be a nation of free people. And I think that's a lot like our relationship with the Lord. But you know what, that changed when we were called to freedom his own love demonstrates, demonstrated our motivation to resist sin. Love freed us, and the same love will keep us. In Galatians chapter 3, just a couple pages over, Galatians chapter 3, verses uh, 2 and 3, you can, you can hear Paul's kind of parental aggravation. He says, This is the only thing that I want to find out from you. It's kind of like when your kids are arguing, and all of a sudden you say, look, I don't want to hear any more. I just want to know this, right? He says, 
This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Were you saved because of the law? And they said, uh, no. Really? You weren't saved because of the law, huh? Were you, uh, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Oh, yeah, it was the hearing with faith that we were saved. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you think that, that you're going to make the difference, that you're going to push sin away on your own strength, with your own willpower? He says it's because of the Spirit of God. God is going to do a work in you. And when we recognize that work, when we appreciate that work, when we say, God, thank you for working in my life. Thank you for, for the steps that, that you're taking to make me more like your son, Jesus. When we focus on him instead of on us, it helps us to stay away from sin. We don't overcome sin by working really hard or avoiding it or by following a list of rules. It's overcome by focusing, by putting our energy on Christ. And really, it's, it's this motivating love that propels us. It makes the difference. You can see it in your life. You know, when, when your uh, fellowship with the Lord is on track, when you're motivated by His love, your relationships, your reactions, your struggle with sin is different, isn't it? Than when you're not focused on the sacrifice of Christ. When you don't recognize His deep love, you know it then too, don't you? Paul revealed, reveals here in this passage that, that it's more than just a you and God thing. It's a you and others thing too. And he says here in, in verses 13, the end of verse 13 to verse 15, that Christ wants you to know that when you serve in love, there is peace. We are serving in peace. The end of verse 13 and following. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Paul says, okay, let me make this simple. If you want to summarize everything that the law is, and is about, here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, it, this, that isn't a, a new concept. You see it many times, uh, the quote of, of Leviticus 19.18, that says, love your neighbor as yourself. You see it all throughout God's word. But even more than that, loving others because of God's love for you is a central theme in all of Scripture. You can see it everywhere you turn. This principle, love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says here, one of the primary ways you can love others is to serve them as Christ served us. 
the primary audience that Paul is speaking to is the body of Christ, the church. And he says, this needs to be true among you. This is the purpose of our freedom. God has set you free so that you can love and serve one another. And really, in our world, that's, that's weird, isn't it? It's normal to look out for number one. I mean, it's okay to cheat someone as long as it benefits me. It's okay to lie about someone as long as it makes me look better. It's okay to gossip about someone as long as it's not gossip about me. And, and we don't always say that. We won't come right out and say, yeah, I, I cheated that guy because it made me better, right? But it comes out in our actions. But in this construction zone, in this relationship with God, things are different. God's word says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. He says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Be others-focused. Serve others with love. But be aware, too, that just because you're serving doesn't mean you're serving with love, right? You can serve without love, out of obligation, or out of a desire to be, you know, noticed. It can't be switched around. We have to love through serving each other. Look at verse 15 again. (laughs) But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You know, I read that and, man, I don't know. That's pretty... I don't know. Where did that come from, right? Devouring one another. One theologian points out uh, for... For these verses, he says, I wish we could always remember when the devil tempts us in disputes that the disagreement of members within the church can lead to nothing else than the ruin and consumption of the whole body. It affects everyone. When you and I don't serve each other in love, it affects everyone. It affects the whole body. He goes on to say, how distressing, how mad, how crazy is it that we should be leagued together, that we should be on the same team of our own mutual accord for our mutual destruction. We're all going in one direction. Hey, let's go here. Let's go to destruction. But that's what we do if we're not serving each other in love. Has anybody been watching the political campaigns? Is it exhausting? It's exhausting. Especially right now as it relates to the GOP candidates, right? Now, obviously it's in the nature of most campaigns, but there are a bunch of people who claim to be on the same team that go after each other and fight like dogs. And here's the thing. We aren't in politics. We're the church. 
We're the body of Christ. Aren't they, aren't we supposed to be different? And I'm not talking about, you know, standing up for what is right and, and for uh, backing down from, from a fight that needs to be had. But read the rest of Galatians. I mean, Paul is, is going after these people who are leading others astray and saying, you are messed up. You have problems. And, and uh, in the book of Timothy, uh, it says that the church is to be the pillar of truth. We don't want to back away from that. That's not what, what's at issue here. But far too often the church is characterized by infighting as if we enjoyed it. As if it was healthy, a healthy discussion. And the reality is that it destroys us. And if it destroys us, it's going to affect you. The bickering and gossip and put-downs that have no place within the body. It's like a virus that that weakens someone from the inside. Biting and devouring will ruin your Christian testimony. Will ruin your opportunity to share with others about the hope that's inside of you. About what Christ did for your life. And you know what? It's not that you're not a Christian. But maybe nobody knows about it. Or even worse, they do, and they don't want any part of it. I don't want to be a part of a place like that. We are to be characterized by loving service toward each other. We get to be the illustration of God's love for the world through our love for each other. And in his conclusion, look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You know, construction is a messy process. There's a lot that goes into it. And it doesn't all happen at once. I mean, look at the property over at Corinth Road. Man, incredible progress is being made, but if we were having church over there right now, we'd be keeping our coats on, right? It takes time. There's progress. And so as we are under construction, as we are just seeking, God, help me to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Know these things, that you are called to freedom. Have you made a decision to be free in Christ? Have you made a decision to... to Let those things that bound you for so long be taken away, be taken care of because of Him. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I didn't ask you if you were a member of the church. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I didn't ask you if you tithed. I said, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Has He taken away your sin? If you have made that decision... I want to ask you, are you living like you're free? There's a, a big difference between being free and acting like you're free. Are you burdened with the weight of your sin after it's already been paid? 
let God take care of that. Let Him speak to you. You are free. You're free to follow Him and not be bound by our own sin. You've been motivated by love. You know, our focus is on Christ's great love for us. And our gratitude will take sin out of the spotlight of our life. It it makes sin something that we're not known for. And by His Spirit, we can have victory through that process. You can serve. You can be serving in peace. The whole world is looking around for a place of peace, for a sanctuary, for a place uh, apart from the craziness of this life where things are sane. (laughs) And we can only be that if we're loving each other and serving each other. Are you loving and serving those around you? Do, you? do you care about them? Do you care about what God is doing in their lives or where they are? Allow God to bring more peace into your life as you serve others in love. What an opportunity that we have tonight to declare, God, thank you for my freedom. Lord, you motivate me. Your great love for me. Wow. I want to be a blessing to those around me. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you. It is an honor to be in your presence tonight. It is an honor to look and read your word. Lord, I I pray that we would not go away from here without knowing that we have been set free. Lord, we no longer have to follow after our sin. You've given us a new focus, a new purpose, a new reason for living, a new motivation. Your great love. Lord, I thank you that as we serve you, we can serve each other because of the love that you've given us. Father, I pray that that would be true in our church so that the world would see what it looks like to follow you and to serve each other. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we finish up, as you know, we're going to be walking out the door. What is God speaking to you about? His word is clear. I'm so grateful that, that He has given us the opportunity every day to start fresh, to start new, to come before him and say, God, thank you that I am free. Thank you that you have given me freedom. I want to honor you with this day because of what you did for me, because of your sacrifice for me. Thank you 
God is speaking to your heart. I'll be here if you'd like to speak with me. We can pray together. We can seek God. But if it's a decision that you need to make in your seat where you are, you don't need to stand up. Maybe you just need to sit. Maybe you don't need to sing the song. Maybe you need to have some time with God.